and uh, Brother uh, Morgan doesn't go around calling himself a prophet, but he operates in the prophetic ministry, and that makes him prophet of God. And uh, so I'm so glad that he's come to be with us today, and uh, I want to acquaint you with his ministry, and I want him to make a connection with this church so that in times in the future, we can call on Brother Morgan, and he's, if he's available, he can come and minister to our church. And uh, anybody ready to hear from the Lord today? Amen. Brother Morgan, thank you so much for coming to be with us today. We're going to start down here tonight, is that all, or today. Is that all right? Amen. God bless you. I've enjoyed this service and the music, the singing, and just wish you had a little more room. Amen. That's a good problem to have, but it's just not a good problem to have very long. Amen. And uh, we're, we're thankful for the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Churches don't, don't just happen, do they? It takes a lot of vision, a lot of praying, great leadership, and it's very apparent that... Uh, this church is blessed by great leadership, and the blessing of the Lord is upon you. Amen. And uh, we're thankful for Brother and Sister Brown. And uh, I know his dad, and I, when I say Brother Brown, I kind of think of his dad a little bit. But um, we give honor where honor is due today. Amen. But it's good to be here. And, uh, of course, we've known their families for some time. So... We're very honored to be in Pasadena, and uh, you can be seated here just a second. Now, here's the deal. I, I usually go till I get hungry, and I had a bowl of cereal about 6 o'clock this morning, so I'm already in a dilemma. I, we may just dismiss now. I don't know. Amen. Then he got to talking about it and out. I'm like, oh, maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something here. Amen. So, but it is good to be here in Pasadena. This uh, officially, it is afternoon now. Amen, and uh, may the Lord bless you uh, abundantly. Amen, and um, bring you greetings from San Francisco. Uh, we've kind of been in a quandary, uh, building situations there, as you will any metro area anymore. We've really had a dilemma with our building situation, but hopefully, uh, as of last night. We got news back that uh, we rent another building. We filled the one that we were up. Yeah, I mean, we filled it up quickly. So uh, <clears throat> then they wanted to up the rent. And I said, why would I want to pay more rent when I can't even get everybody in the building? That doesn't make sense, does it? So uh, God opened a door for us, and we're very excited about that. And I was kind of lingering around trying to figure all that out, and they finally called. And so... I said, all right, I can, I can go to Pasadena now. We've got this building situation straightened out. Hopefully we got it straightened out. I believe we do. Amen. God bless you. My son's here with me, John Martin. Glad he's here. And uh, uh, my official bodyguard or something, I don't know. Amen. And, uh, but in the back, we do have some uh, product. Now, here's the deal. Has Brother Godwin preached here? So they know Brother Godwin. Okay, Brother Godwin's uh, a longtime friend, probably my best friend. And uh, he'd been after the guys up at the church for some time. We actually even have a recording or a media studio deal up there. So he kept telling them, uh, you need to get some of his old sermons. Now, this is what he would say. You need to go back and get some of his old sermons when he didn't preach like a Baptist. Now, I don't know what he meant. If you're Baptist here today, I'm not trying to insult Baptists. But, oh, I'm afraid i got some Baptist folks here. Amen. But anyway, he uh, said, get some of those old CDs and put them together and, 
and uh, let people hear it. So we do have some of those in the back there available. I think there might even be some uh, store, which is a minister's conference uh, material back there, and some uh, J.T. Pugh sermons. The Pugh family asked us to put together a collection of his sermons, so we're presently doing that. So it's all back there. I wish you'd help buy some of it so my kids can have milk this week. Is that fair enough? Is that honest enough? I'm the, no, amen. <laughs> amen, but they are available. And we do take credit cards. Thank God for modern technology. I mean, it's it's amazing, man. We take, anyway, it's just amazing. Praise God. Well, um, I guess we better get started, hadn't we? Since we already talked about in and out and everybody's getting hungry. And, and then they got a bake sale after church. Can you believe that? So I'm doomed either way I go here. Amen. <laughs> I want you to uh, turn, if you don't mind, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to uh, start a little journey today. Is that all right? Now, uh, I can scream if you want me to. Uh, if, if, if that's what you need to get you to respond, I can do that. Now, I'll gear up here in just a second. I'm, I'm going to start a little slower than probably normal. And he's talking about five-fold ministry, and I, I think I've done it all. I was, that's probably what Brother Godwin was talking about when he said that years and years ago he traveled with me. Matter of fact, he used to kind of drive me around a little bit in Oklahoma when I was pastoring there, and he would, uh, <clears throat> as an evangelist, so... I've done a little bit of everything, but I found out that uh, best preaching, teaching, or whatever is just good communicating. And my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I don't think Pentecostal people are destroyed for a lack of tongue talking. I lost a few of you on that one there. Amen. Uh, Matter of fact, I tell people this, and they kind of get a little alarmed. The devil doesn't care if you talk in tongues till you get an accent. <laughs> but if you ever know who you are and recognize what's available and what God really has for his people, that's a different story. And so I think that's where we need to kind of focus on. So we'll start today and probably linger over until tomorrow night. Is that okay, Pastor, if we kind of – I don't mean we're going to be here that whole time. We're going to dismiss here <laughs> – and a little bit, and go eat, and then we'll come back tomorrow. Amen. Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, and I want to read one verse, verse eighteen. But I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles open there, and I don't know who's running the projection. Y'all got a great uh, projection system and wonderful graphics and first class, and I'm covetous and and uh, <clears throat> uh, anyway. Uh, so I'm going to stay in. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to go a little bit into the first part of chapter 4. But we're going to read one verse, verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Everybody say changed. changed. Into the, now, listen, if you got the Holy Ghost and it didn't change you, then there's a problem. We are, we're starting off with a problem. Because according to this, there's supposed to be a change. The glory of the Lord changes to the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say the Spirit of the Lord. All right. Did I read enough verse for you? Did I read enough for you? Do you feel religious now? 
Amen. We'll start there and then we'll move along here. Y'all trying to figure me out, aren't you? Where is he going today? I don't know. But the Holy Ghost does. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for this church, every person that's here today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We don't ever take it for granted. We thank you for the Holy Ghost, the work of the Holy Ghost in this place today. We thank you for those who are going to receive the Holy Ghost today. We give you glory and honor. We ask that your word, which is anointed, let our hearts now be receptive to it. Let us receive, and I ask for a spirit of revelation to come to this place today. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Now, if I start out a little slow, is that okay? I mean, I'll, I'll try not to make it boring. Is that fair enough? If I start to get boring, I'll, I'll know. You'll start going to sleep, and I'll, I'll, I'll know what to do here. Amen. Have uh, <clears throat> you ever read the story? Now, if you'd go back up a few verses into that third chapter, Paul, of course, is writing to the Corinthians. It's the second letter to the Corinthians, and he's addressing what he calls the the ministration of the law and he talks about Moses on top of the mountain coming down from the mountains anybody know that story how many know that story Moses on top of the mountain he's getting the commandments of God and he's been in the presence of God if I remember correct 40 days and uh, he's coming down the mountain and the Bible says that his face was glowing and he took a veil uh, and put it over his face and Paul refers to that, and he goes into that, and he says, lest uh, the people look upon that which would be abolished as it would fade away. Most of the time, we talk about the fact that Moses had a veil on his face because people could not stand to look upon the glory of God. But if you read that correctly, the Apostle Paul specifically tells you why <clears throat> there is a veil upon the face of Moses. He did not want the people of God, he did not want the Hebrew people associating the law that he had just brought down from the top of the mountain with this glory. Now, when he come down off the mountain, his face was glowing because he had been in the presence of God. But as he comes down, as in most spiritual situations, have you ever been in a good church service? And I mean, man, it was so great. You thought it would last forever. But in a day or two, reality sets in, life sets back in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you go back into the reality of this old life and this old body of decay and all the things that we have to fight. But the fact is, is when he was coming down off the mountain, he was glowing, his face was glowing, but also it was going to fade. And the Apostle Paul says that God didn't want the people of God to associate that fading glory with the law, lest they think that the law was only effective as long as his face was glowing. And then once it quit glowing, then they say, see, we don't, have to, we don't have to have these commandments anymore. We don't need the law anymore. And so now the Apostle Paul said there would be a time that it would be done away with, not that it would be disregarded because the law has never went out of effect only thing different is, is what was written on tables of stone are now written in the fleshly tablets of our heart. What they had to do by disciplines, we do by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so the fact is, is that 
He didn't want them thinking because of the fading glory. So they got to put a veil over the face of Moses so that the people can't see this glory and it beginning to fade. And so Paul alludes to that. Now, what he's actually after is that he wants to prove that that law that he brought down from the top of the mountain was, uh, it was a glorious thing. It was a glorious thing. But he wants to prove that there is something now even more glorious. And so he talks about the fact in our text today, he says that we with open faces beholding in a mirror are changed into the same image. Everybody say the same image. Now, I know I'm starting a little slow, but if you'll just stay with me here, I'll apply it to all of us here in just a second. But we're changed into the same image as by, from glory to glory, as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I do want to tell you that, uh, and I'm not here today to get on issues and, and all this stuff and all, but I will tell you for the sake of uh, safety, safety, that any time that there is a fading glory, whether it's in a denomination, it's in a movement, an organization, a ministry, or a church, any time that there is a fading glory, we have a tendency to always want to try to veil it or to hide the fact that something is fading and the glory is not as radiant as it one time was or used to be. And so then we have to come up with veils and we have to come up with tricks and gimmicks and sensational stuff in order to, uh, I want to say, deceive the people, but to, uh, the people can't understand. Now you're saying, what in the world has that got to do with us here in Pasadena? Well, let me tell you how it applies to us. Anytime you start losing the anointing of God in a church or the glory of God in a church, you have to start creating things to hide the fact that the glory of God's not there like it used to be. Oh, boy. I don't want you going to sleep just yet. Amen. Uh, that's what, and, and don't misunderstand me. If, you, if you've been around me any at all, which some of you haven't, but uh, I like all this stuff, but... That's how come all of a sudden we have to have the light shows and we have to have certain things in church services and where the glory of God used to be the light show of the church service. And there's nothing wrong with the lighting and ambiance and all the wonderful accessories that can come into a church service. I'm not knocking that. But the fact is, if you think that's what's going to draw people to the house of God, it might draw them, but it's not the ones you want to draw. But the glory of God ever begins to move in a church service or manifest itself, I promise you, people will come to see the glory of God. They'll come see it. And I can tell you this, there's no show on earth like a Holy Ghost show. There's no display on the earth like a Holy Ghost display. I want to tell you that one more time. There is no display on the earth like the Holy Ghost when it's really moving and operating and the power and the presence of God is moving in a church service. Just think people pay hundreds and thousands of dollars every week to try to go be entertained by something and, and you know, God, God's probably got a little cheaper program for you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> now... This is where Paul gets into all the stuff. And so he, he goes in. Now, can, can we put this on the screen? Can you just put, go to the fourth chapter and the first. Is, is this boring? Come on. Uh, is this? Okay. I, I, I'm trying to ease into this where it makes a little bit of sense. Now, this is what Paul's trying to say. Now, when Moses come down, I want to pick on somebody here today. Uh, a little flute player. Come up here, buddy. Now. 
I, this is clean, okay? It really is. In a few minutes that may not be, but right now it is. Okay? Now, oh, wait a minute. I think I did blow my nose a while ago. <laughs> now, this is what Moses had to do when he came off the mountain. And so Paul says that when they, this is what they had, it was a veiled glory. They could not stand to look upon. Of course, I explained to you part of the reason, but yet another reason is because they couldn't stand to look upon the glory of God. So what he's trying to say is that this represents the law. Moses represented the law. But when Jesus Christ came, that's how come in your text it says with open face, when Jesus Christ came, the veil was done away with. And that we, we don't have this veiled glory Trust me, I'll fix the preach. Amen. We don't have this veiled glory, but we with open face. In other words, we see radiating out of the face of Jesus Christ the glory of God. Now, does that make sense? I'm glad that I don't have church like this. I'm glad when we come to church, it's not just about, well, you can't see the glory of God. We'll tell you about it. We'll give you a list of do's and don'ts that you can or cannot do. But that's about all that you're going to get. But I'm glad that when Jesus Christ came, the veil was done away with. Now, if you understand, thank you, if you understand what I'm talking about, the veil, that's, that's the first type of veil. But there's other types of veil in the Scripture. Matter of fact, when you deal with Jesus Christ as the true Son of God, you deal with Him in the fact that it was a veil, not over His face, but flesh. It was a veiled glory. Uh, I don't know how far to get into this. Paul had the unique ability. I've got to be careful because I'm, I'm trying not to say too much and overload you here up front. Amen. Paul had this unique ability to take an Old Testament allegory situation and show you what it meant and then even move it further. So when he talks about the fact that there is uh, this veiled glory and this unveiled glory that we see in the face of Jesus Christ, he makes the statement that we are changed from glory to glory. We are changed from unveiled or veiled to unveiled. He not only shows you that through Jesus Christ, but he also shows you, or Moses and Jesus, but he shows you even Christ in the moment of being veiled, which is his humanity, and where he is unveiled or the removal of his humanity. I know somebody said, what in the world are you talking about? Okay. Isaiah said that in the Old Testament, he said that there would be no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. If you look at Jesus, okay, let's break it down where we can get a hold of it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The 14th verse says, and we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The tabernacle, the Bible talks about it, and the Word was made flesh, or the Word tabernacled itself in flesh. That's the best way to understand it. Now, if you go back with the word tabernacle and you go back to the Old Testament, you've got the Old Testament tabernacle. What was unique about the tabernacle? I'll tell you what was unique about it. It was made out of a badger skin. It was red. It was ugly and crude. If you looked upon it, it was just an old ugly tent. That's all it was. But the problem is, with their enemies, is they would look at it and be perplexed because above it by day is a cloud, and above it by night is a pillar of fire, which is a witness of the Spirit letting the whole world know. It may not look like much to you, but don't be deceived. You can't see what's on the inside of it because on the inside is royalty and splendor and majesty and Shekinah. 
You can't see that because it's a veiled glory. This is exactly what John meant when he talked about Jesus Christ. And when he came, Isaiah the prophet said, he would have no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. In other words, there'd be nothing physically appealing about him. If he walked into this room, there wouldn't be he would some radiant something as far as his physical appearance is concerned that you would say, oh, there's the Messiah, there's the Son of God. But by saying that he was the tabernacle, he goes then into his epistles. If we receive the witness of God or the witness of man, it's a great witness. But the witness of God is greater, which he has testified of his son. Whew. Just like in the Old Testament, there's a cloud and there's a pillar of fire that bore witness that this old tabernacle is deceiving to you. It looks like just an old tent, but trust me, on the inside, it's completely different. It's the same thing that John tried to explain to those when he said, and the word was made flesh. It tabernacled itself. He would be just a human being like other human beings. But don't let the disguise of his humanity fool you, because on the Inside of him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Ah, oh, somebody help me preach here just a second. That was the deceiving part, and that's why John said, if we receive the witness of men, it's a great witness. Now, what's the witness of men? Well, it's Peter, James, and John, the disciples, and all those that bore witness. Now, you have to understand the guy writing that was one of the three that happened to go. Okay, let's go back. You want to go back just a little bit? The first place that the Spirit... Are y'all interested in this? The first place that the Spirit ever bore witness was in the waters of baptism. All theologians agree this is the first witness of the Spirit. Here's Jesus. Now, if you think you're here today, you don't need to be baptized. Let me help you understand that one. Jesus, who knew no sin is in the waters of baptism. He is baptized when he comes up. The Bible says that the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost come descending like a dove. You got that one? Like a dove. And the voice of the Father spake. One gospel writer says this, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. As though it's addressed to John, I want you to know that I am bearing witness of this tabernacle. Don't look like much, but trust me, I'm bearing witness of it right now. The other gospel writer records it like this. You are my beloved son, as though it's addressed to Jesus, securing his identity as he knows exactly who he is. This is the first witness of the Spirit. Now you say, well, what's that got to do with us? It's got a whole lot to do with you. Does anybody know what? I, I'm, I'm about to overload this whole thing right here. Does anybody know what was said when he, when the Father spake? This, what's that? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. Now, isn't it amazing that the Apostle Paul, I'm already getting over tomorrow night. <laughs> isn't it amazing the Apostle Paul, when he talks about adoption to the Romans, which the adoption process of the Romans is completely different than your American adoption. It has nothing to do with going out here and finding a child that doesn't have a parent or whatever, but it has to do with a son being born. And when the son is born, the first thing that the father does is he pronounces the family name upon it. 
Then he takes the child out to the world and reveals his son. And this is what the Roman father would say with that little infant. He would say, this is my beloved son. There he is. I want everybody to see who he is. Here he is. This is why Paul says to the Romans about the adoption of the Spirit, wherefore we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, or Father, Father. Two witnesses. We'll get to that tomorrow night. Amen. Now, when, Je- when Jesus is in the waters of baptism, this is the Spirit revealing. This is him. This is, this is the Son of God. There he is right there. Now, the next witness of the Spirit, does anybody know where that happens? It's on the top of Mount Transfiguration. And there the Bible says that Jesus begins to glow. It wasn't that light was shining upon him. Literally, light was shining out of him. It's permeating out of him. It is God saying, I want you to know what he ultimately is going to look like where the flesh is not going to veil the glory. This is futuristic. This is what he's going to look like over in the book of Revelation where it says, And the Lamb shall be the light thereof. And he's going to be the temple of the city and all that stuff. Here he is. This is an unveiled glory. I'm losing a whole bunch of you right here. Now, Paul uses that analogy when he says, Now, we got two different types of glory over here. We got veiled and we got unveiled. We got Christ over here veiled in his humanity and then we have christ over here where he's not veiled in humanity but in the actual state of glorification this is after his death so this is what paul uses now hang on here a second he's going to start making sense paul says this is why we go from glory to glory because just what christ did you're supposed to do There's a reason why Jesus went to the waters of baptism to be baptized. There's a reason why the Holy Ghost come descending. There's a reason why there is a spiritual utterance. Because it is perfect typology of the new birth experience. God knew that in just a matter of months, Jesus was going to say to Nicodemus, except a man is born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. The fact is, he understood that the only way to become a true son of God is to be born into the kingdom. Does this make any sense right now? Is to be born into the kingdom. You can't just say, I think I'll go up there and shake the preacher's hand. I think I'll just start going to church. I think I'll just get a little Bible study. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. Well, the problem is, just like with Jesus Christ, you've got the same problem. You may be born again, but who knows? Oh, boy. I think we need to go to John chapter 3, don't you? Let's just nail a couple things down here. I feel Holy Ghost here today. Are you ready for this? John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, and He's a very religious man. He says, except the man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Is that not, is that not what it says? Am I still, do I have to, are you still here with me? Okay. He cannot see the kingdom. Why does he say born again? I want you to think here just a second. Let's nail down a new birth here and just really understand what it means. Except the man is born again of the water and the spirit. Now, first of all, before he gets there, he said he's got to be born again of the spirit. Now. Is that what it says? Except the man is born. Let's go back up to verse 3. Is that what it says? 
Okay, let's do this old school, all right? Now, have you ever read over there where Paul's writing, I think, to the Corinthians? He says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for his people. You ever read that verse of Scripture? We all get excited, man. You can't, well, I hate to tell you, that's not what Paul was really saying. What Paul was saying to the Corinthians is this. Without the Holy Ghost, you cannot think the things of God. You can't even really hear the things of God. You cannot see the things of God. For no man know the things of the Spirit save the Spirit. Now, let me help you here. I'm going to break it down where it makes sense, hopefully. The deal is, Jesus gives this parable when he's asked, Who is my neighbor? He talks about the Good Samaritan. Well, why does he say he was left half dead? We have any doctors here, anybody work in the medical field, emergency room, technicians, anybody? Okay, got a few. Who brings people to the emergency room and says, you need to come check them out, they're half dead? How do you measure half dead? I mean, but Jesus specifically says in the parable, he was left, watch him now, he was left half dead. Why does he specifically say left half dead? He could have said three quarters dead, fourth, specifically half dead. Because if you understand what Jesus is getting at, anytime Jesus says a certain man, he's got something in mind. And he's in reference to Adam. If you'll remember, God told Adam, now stay with me, I know it's getting a little boring here, but he said, Adam, the day that you eat the fruit of that tree, you're going to die. We know that Adam did not die in the physical sense. He lived several hundred years. But he did die spiritually. So now he's dead to the things of the spirit, but he's alive to the things of the flesh. He is now half dead. He's half dead. That's why the Bible refers to the Holy Ghost as a quickening spirit. The word quicken means it makes alive. And Jesus said, hey, Nicodemus, except the man is born again of the Spirit, he cannot see until the Spirit comes and quickens that dead, dormant something within you. You can't even see the kingdom. Oh, boy. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it resurrects and brings alive the spirit man. And when he's resurrected, Paul says, hey, the only way to understand the things of the spirit is by the spirit. Folks, this is so simple. I can't see why anybody can't see it. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to say. Now, watch this. He said, you can see it. But if you go down to verse number 5, he, he takes a little further. Verily, verily, I say to thee, except the man is born again of the water and of the spirit, he cannot... Enter the kingdom. Is this making sense to anybody? Now, if you follow, I'm sorry, I know it's probably not what you expected, but trust me, we'll get to the stuff here. If you follow typology that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning your fathers. Were they not all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea? Remember all that? That's all typology. Egypt is a type of the world. Pharaoh is a type of your enemy. The cloud is a type of Holy Ghost baptism. The Red Sea is a type of water baptism. It's all in there. You ready for this one? The cloud overshadowed them at Sukkoth. That was in Egypt. Which proves to me that people can be spirit-filled and still be in Egypt. 
you can be spirit-filled and see the kingdom and still be trapped over here in Egypt. Well, I know where I need to go. I know what I need to do now, but I don't know how to get there. And what I, <clears throat> this is where we're going right now. Amen. But I can promise you this. I already told you, the devil don't care. You can get the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues. But what he doesn't want is for you to go to the next step. And trust me, you get in a home Bible study, everybody wants the Holy Ghost. Everybody wants to talk in tongues nowadays. That's accepted. But what's not accepted is when that Bible study takes the turn toward water baptism in the name of Jesus. And, buddy, when it gets toward that, the all hell starts breaking loose. Because the enemy knows it cannot follow you through the water. The enemy knows that you're still in Egypt as long as you've not been through the Red Sea coming out on the other side. So he don't care talking tongues, get the Holy Ghost, and I'm not minimizing that. My whole sermon today is about the Holy Ghost. But what he doesn't want is for you to get out of Egypt. He wants to hold you into captivity. He wants to hold you in Egypt. But somebody's got to go to the water. I said, somebody's got to go to the water. This is where you break past the clutches of your past. And you break past Pharaoh that's trying to hold you in bondage of sin. And you tell him, I'm out of here, buddy. All these other folks can stay in Egypt if they want to and have the cloud overshadow them. But I plan on getting on over here to the promised land where the things of God are made manifest. And the only way to get there is I've got to come through the water. I'm telling somebody here today, you need to be born again of the Spirit and of the water. He said, you can't enter. Now, let me help you. You got the Holy Ghost? Huh? You you better get it. That's a good confession. All right, now. I'm going to pick on you about faith, okay? Watch this. 14th chapter of John, Jesus said, In that day, I will be in you, and you'll be in me, and we'll be in the Father. Okay? How does he get in you? No, 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 no. Holy Ghost baptism. Close. He gets in you the Holy Ghost baptism. How do you get in him? Water baptism. There you go. Holy Ghost baptism puts him in me. Water baptism puts me in him. (laughs) This is how you get into the kingdom. You've got to be born of the water and of the spirit. Now, now, let's see. You thought I was through with that chapter, didn't you? Oh, no, 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 no. Let's go down to verse number eight. You pretty intelligent. You do? All right. I'm going to pick on you. Ready? Since you're going to get the Holy Ghost today, I'm going to pick on you. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, or whether it goeth. And what does the last part of that say? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, what do you think that last part means? So, now, watch this. So is everyone. Now, does that mean every other one, every third one? So everyone born of the Spirit, and, and so, okay, now let's figure this verse. Are you all interested in this? Let's figure this verse out. The wind bloweth where it listeth. You can't hear. You can't see it, right? But you can hear the sound. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. 
You can't see it, but you can what? You can hear it. Yeah, you can't see it, but you can hear it. And so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So what am I supposed to be hearing? Now, hang on. Thou hearest the sound. Sound. And I'm going from you to her. You ain't got the Holy Ghost yet, so I'm going to have to work. Okay. You're getting close, though. You watch this, okay? You watch that verse. Thou hearest the what? Sound. Okay, so Jesus said, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. So I can't see it, but I hear the sound. So my question is, what's the sound? Now, on my phone over there, my all this modern technology, I got a Strong's Concordance. Somebody wants to see it after church, I'll show it to you. The word sound there in the Greek is spelled P-H-O hyphen N-A-Y. Phone A. If you take the prefix P-H-O or F-O phone, you would get such words as telephone. Okay? It literally means speech, language, or its truest definition is phonics. That's where you get the word phonics, P-H-O, and B hyphen, actually in the Greek, N-I-C, it means language or speech. So Jesus just said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, in reference to the Holy Ghost, and thou hearest the phone thereof. Thou hearest the language thereof. Thou hearest the phonics thereof. I will tell you right now, my objective today is to get everybody here hooked on phonics. Now, now, now watch it, watch it. Now, you can argue all you want to with me, but you're going to have a hard time arguing with the red letter edition, which means Jesus said it. Now, this is Jesus speaking. You know what Jesus just said? You know what Jesus just said? You can't see it when the Holy Ghost comes, but there'll be some phonics. There'll be a language. And everyone that's born of the Spirit, well, I never spoke in tongues. Well, take it up with Jesus, because he said everyone that is born of the Spirit is going to have this sound. Mm. I think we need to pause on that one right there. Selah. Think about it. We don't have to back up on our doctrine. We don't have to be intimidated when people say, well, all this tongue stuff, I don't understand that. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. Tongues is just the receipt of it. It's just the witness of the Spirit. It's just the Spirit bearing witness of itself saying, look, okay, the Holy Ghost? Yeah, the, yeah, okay. The night you receive the Holy Ghost, or day, whenever, the Spirit of God moved inside you. And to everybody else around you, what's your name? Madeline. Madeline. You're just Madeline. But when the Spirit moved inside you, you become not just Madeline, the son of whoever, or the daughter of, child of. You become Madeline, the child of God. Now, to everybody else, you look just like any other human being, except some folks say, man, they're crazy down there, jibber-jabber and that stuff. But all that was is that was the Spirit, just like the cloud and the fire, was bearing witness, letting everybody know. Don't let the disguise of her humanity fool you. Because on the inside of Madeline now dwells the glory and the Shekinah of God. She is a child of God now. My God, have mercy. That ought to put you on shouting ground. You become the tabernacle of God. Now the world may not identify who you are, but the Apostle John said it like this, Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. 
Not you're going to be, not you might be, but beloved, now are ye the sons of God. If I was here today and I'd not been baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, the first thing on my mind would be, I want to be born again that I can be a child of God and a son or a daughter of God. Hallelujah. Now, now, what does that mean? Well, now are you ready? What is the whole purpose of this born-again experience? What is this really all about? Just a ticket to get you to heaven? If that's the case, the moment you were saved, God could have raptured you right then. I was on a panel the other day, and they was asking pastors a question. What is the most successful way to pastor people? They asked me, what is the most successful way to pastor people? I said, it's easy. The moment they're saved, shoot them. I mean, the moment they're baptized and talking tongues, knock them out. Now, why would I say that? Well, it'd be humorous, but semi-serious. Amen. Because the problem is, according to Paul in Romans 8, the only thing about you that got redeemed was your spirit. You still got something left to be redeemed. It's this body. It's not redeemed until you're raptured or die. Okay, now, what's your name again? Madeline? Madeline, you got the Holy Ghost. And this whole divine nature, a godlike nature moved inside you. See, this is what people do not understand. Man, what's wrong with them? They used to be fun. No, they want to do is just pray and read their Bible and go to church. That sounds boring to me. Of course it does. You're half dead. You're only alive to the things of the flesh. I mean, living like this would be boring to you because you don't understand spiritual things. The only thing you understand is human nature and what your nature desires and what your nature wants. And I hate to insult you, but you're almost no better than an animal. That's what the Scripture says. Because that's just just the way the whole animal kingdom, just whatever it desires, whatever its nature is, it just, that's it. And so this is where humanity comes to. It's just, well, I want it, I like it, it feels good, I want to do it. That's human nature. That's that's your own nature. I'm getting, I'm I'm losing a bunch of you here. This is that old nature. Well, the problem is, is when you got the Holy Ghost, you were supposed to have died out. In other words, I don't want that old nature ruling me anymore. I'm tired of living like that. That's a dead-end street. It's fun for I Now, don't let anybody tell you. you know, I've heard preachers get up and say, sin is not fun. They lying. The Bible says that the pleasure of sin, there is a pleasure in sin. But what they need to add is just for a season. After a while, that season wears off. Does anybody remember how you felt when you finally decided, I think I need to find God? I'm tired of living like this. The fun's over. The party's over. Drugs don't do anything anymore. I'm messed up. Got more brain cells destroyed than I ever get back. 
swapping from partner to partner some sexual experience only leaves me more lonely looking for somebody else. Thank God for the night that you decided, you know what, I'm tired of living like this. This old man's got to die. Something's got to change. Oh, I feel a little old-fashioned preach come on me right now. Something's got to change. And you drug that old dead man down to an altar. And you said, you're going to die. You're dead right here. Tired of all of this. That's why preacher buried that old dead man. Now, can I, can I keep picking on you? Now, you got the Holy Ghost. And your spirit got redeemed, come alive. And now, now, watch me now. That's how come the Bible refers to Jesus Christ. Son of man, son of God. Son of man refers to his humanity, son of God to his divinity. We teach, and rightfully so, that he had a dual nature. The difference is, is that the spirit man always remained in victory with Christ. He never allowed his flesh or his human nature to rule over his spirit nature. Now, i got to start wrapping this up. Trust me, you won't be here tomorrow night. I think you will. Amen. Now, here's what happens. You got up, man, you, you talk in tongues, and the preacher baptized you. You got all excited, got so thrilled. Some of you ain't real sure on this baptism, Jesus' name, and tongue stuff yet. Trust me, stay around. It'll get you. You got up, and you're so excited, you're so thrilled about it all. And a few days down the road... This old nature of yours, this old human nature, it surfaced again. Okay, everybody's got the Holy Ghost. You've been perfect since you got it. I've had new converts call me, Pastor Word, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I'm just, I said, what? I got mad and I cussed. That's all? <laughs> I should tell this. I had a pastor friend of mine. In about a year's time, he dealt with 28 cases of homosexuality in his church. 28 cases. And he had a man come to his office, the pastor, and he talked to him. He said, what? He said, I've been immoral. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, with a man or a woman. He said, with a woman. He said, well, let me shake your hand. You can tell that kind of stuff when you're from San Francisco. Amen. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm going back over to pick on you. Now, the problem is, is you've got this battle now raging. But let's find out. Boy, if you'll stay with me here just a moment. What is the Holy Ghost really for? If it's just... To get you to heaven, like I said, the moment you spoke in tongues, you got the Holy Ghost. God could have raptured you. Boom. Great. But he didn't. Because there's a battle that's going to happen. And he wants to see which nature's going to win. Because before he takes you over here to the state of glorification, he wants to make sure. I hate to say it, but you're qualified for it. I ain't got time to get that. Now, so if you remember my text, it said, from glory to glory, we are changed into what? In his image. Now, if you go over Romans chapter 8, could you do that for me real quick? Just Romans chapter 8. 
Start about at verse 16, 17, 18. Just pick one of those down through there. I'll tell you where I want you to go from there. You, you still got just another minute or two here? Is anybody else really hungry besides me? And the bad part is on the way to church, he told me what restaurant we're going to. He said, we're going to eat at that restaurant right there. I think he has a little strategy working over here. Now watch this. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are what? Now is that a capital? Watch me. Is that a capital S? No, no, no. The Spirit, the first one, the Spirit, that's capital S, right? That's talking about His Spirit. Talking about the Holy Ghost. It bears with our spirit. That's a small s. Oh, did you know that when Jesus said, I'm looking for true worshipers, and here's the qualifications, spirit and truth, it's not a capital S, it's not a capital T. I don't mean spirit of the Holy Ghost, the truth of doctrine. That's talking about you as a human being. He said true worship comes out of a human being. It is truth, which is total sincerity. There's no hypocrisy. You're not hiding anything. You're totally open and honest in my presence. And spirit is, that's the deepest part of you. It's not out of your emotional arena, which is your soulish nature. It comes from the deepest part of you. And Jesus said, this is what I'm going to ask for as a true worshiper. Now, but here he says, the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit. Small s, which means the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit. We are now, I know in my spirit because of the Holy Ghost that I'm a child of God. Now let's go to 17. Okay, go to 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs of Christ. Now, watch this. As Jesus being my elder brother, and he's going to inherit everything one of these days, after the last enemy destroyed, which is death, I'm going to get it all with him. I ain't got time getting all that. Now, that we may be also glorified together. So as he's glorified, we're going to be glorified. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Do you know that's going to happen? Trust me, I, I, I'll, I'll finish the book and you can read it. 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Did you know the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? Did you know that the earth, it was not cursed till Adam fell into a sinful nature, and then God cursed it. And ever since the curse, creation groans. We're waiting when all this is done away with, and we can go back to what we really should have been. Even the earth out here does that. Let's go to verse 20. It's going, we're going to get there now. For the creature is made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Okay, I ain't got time going to the body and the spirit, all that, like I need to. But because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's actually that you're going to be delivered from this body of decay. Stay, please stay with me here. I'm about to your body of decay. You're going to put this old body away. And what's going to happen is, is Madeline, is that right? That old human nature is going to disappear. You won't have no more battles. You won't have any more struggles. You won't have any more pain. Do you hear me? None of it. But what until then? Let's read. Let's read now. Holy Ghost fixed to do something for you. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation grows the trivial of the pain until now. Verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. What that means? You receive the Spirit first. First thing God had to do for you is for you to receive the Spirit. That's what it means. Even, that's why I can't understand, Brother Brown, some of these guys say, we don't need the Holy Ghost anymore. You've got to be kidding me. The Bible, this is what it's all about. It's the work of the Holy Ghost in your life to transform you. Watch this, watch this. 
even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Now, remember I told you the first time when you're born, the Father says, this is my son. That's what the Holy Ghost does. That's what tongues does. This is where the family name's pronounced upon you in baptism. It's God said, here they are. Here's my sons. But the adoption process is when the son finally matured enough to where the father would bring him out and reveal him to the whole world and say, now this boy is old enough and mature enough now to handle all family business. It's his. There it is. And this is what Paul's trying to say. One of these days, oh, that's going to happen. Now, he tells you what the, what the adoption process is, to wit, the redemption of our body. Verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man saith, one of the yet hope for 25. 26. I ain't got time. Going off. <laughs> Here it is. Now, what does that say? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our what? infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered verse 27 watch this and he that knoweth search the heart knoweth what is the mind and spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God 28 right and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God what to them who are the called according to his purpose let's find out what the purpose is 29 for whom he did foreknow. He's not talking about you as a human being. He's talking about sonship. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into what? Oh, now hang on. To be conformed into what? Think with me. To be conformed into what? Okay, now you hold that verse. Somebody go back to my text today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I want you to stand and read it real loud. Just, just when you find it, stand and read it real loud. Got it? Read real loud. Okay, now watch this, watch this. I'm looking at Christ in his state of glorification, but I'm over here trapped with this old body of decay. <laughs> but I got one promise. I'm looking at him, and as he is, I'm also going to be. Right? Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. We, we're not appearing that way yet. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him. Hang on, read on. Oh, are changed into what? So I'm looking at Christ as he is, <laughs> and I see his glory is not veiled, and I'm going to change into that. How? Watch me. How? Because I got this problem. I still got this old body. As long as I got this old body, I got infirmities. And that what it says? I'm supposed to be changed, right? Conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Are you still with me here? I'm, I'm, this is where it all goes to right here. It's closing. You ready for it? The Apostle Paul is teaching them about the power of the Holy Ghost in your life right here. What he's actually telling them and what he told the church at Corinth is you can't do this on your own. You cannot make this change on your own. This is what the Holy Ghost does. Watch him. And then not only does it not make the change and make you a son of God, but because you still got this old body and you got problems. Now, I know that I'm in Pasadena. Some of you already clocked out. And you're the ones that need it the worst. 
Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave the service and say, man, that's kind of boring. And then you're going to go home and you're going to face utility bills and you're going to face sickness and you're going to face all the stuff that life faces you. And before Tuesday gets here, I just don't know if I can do this, man. I'm about to give up. I, I just don't think I could take much more, man. I'm just telling you right now, this, you know, this old life, man, it's, it's really, I'm down. And I'm, rah, 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 rah. That's what he's talking about, infirmities. For likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So the things that I'm struggling with in my flesh and life, the Holy Ghost is not just my ticket out of here, but it's also that which helps me face these infirmities. That's why the devil wants to take the Holy Ghost out of the church. Because it's not just a changing agent. My God have mercy. But it's also the ability to help you when you have sickness in your body to heal you. When you're facing all sorts of, I heard your pastor pray today. When he's praying over the congregation. I mean, when you're facing financial difficulties and nobody else can help you. Your job's on the line and you lost your house and all this stuff and all. And you don't know what to do. These is what it means, infirmities. Not just talking about sicknesses, it's infirmities. These are the struggles of life. This is what this old body has to deal with. And he said, but it's the spirit that helpeth our infirmities. That's why a Holy Ghost church is the safest place you can be. Because while you're struggling and battling, the Holy Ghost comes to help. It comes to walk along beside. It comes to strengthen. It comes to heal. It comes to provide. It comes to give strength. It comes to give courage. For likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. How long has it been since you had a good Holy Ghost prayer meeting? Come on, I want to ask somebody. How long has it been since you had a good Holy Ghost prayer meeting and the Holy Ghost prayed? Isn't that what he said? For likewise, the Spirit also helped with our infirmities. For when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, the Spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. In your old flesh, you don't even know what to pray. You don't even know what to say sometimes. You don't even know altogether what you're fighting or battling. But if you can let the Spirit pray through you, this is where this church is trying to go. Let me tell you something. You listen to me. The only churches that are going to survive in the end time are churches that operate in the power of the Holy Ghost. Just listen to me. You've got the Antichrist on the scene. You've got all the stuff that's happening in the world right now. If you think the economy's bad now, just wait till it totally collapses. And it's coming. I don't hear that. It's coming. Man, that makes me... Why? Why does that bother you? Same God that's took care of you all your life and took care of you till today, you think he's going to quit taking care of you? Your needs being supplied is not tied to what Obama does or the United Nations or Wall Street or the stock market or the International Monetary Fund. But my God shall supply all of your need according, 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 according. I feel a little help coming in here. According to his riches, not here, but according to his riches in glory. Why would you not want to pray in the Holy Ghost? 
You don't even know how to pray yourself out of your financial situation. But if you can get in the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost start praying through you, the Holy Ghost knows how to pray the perfect prayer. It comes with perfect faith and perfect obedience before the throne of God. And it knows the right words to say to help you. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Some of you come to church today struggling. You just need the help of the Holy Ghost. That's too simple. No, you're making it too complicated. I am through. Just let me ask you a question. Isn't it amazing? You ain't been praying in a while. And this old divide, or this old fleshly nature of yours is pretty strong. Everybody bugs you. Okay, you don't have these problems in Pasadena. I'm going back to San Francisco where I know how to fight stuff. It bugged you. I don't like her. I don't like your flute playing. You ever notice that? When this old, this old flesh nature is ruling, people bug you. Man, PA is too loud. I don't know why I'm going down to that church. PA is always too loud. I'm telling you one. If they had my hearing problem, they'd turn that thing down. I hit a nerve right there. I passed a guy in Oklahoma. Honest God. He'd come to church and he'd go get, he wouldn't just get a cotton ball. He'd buy a whole bag of them. And he'd stick them in his ears. He'd have all this big old white stuff sticking in his ears. And he'd sit back there. He'd go. So one night I was coming to church, and I was more in my human nature than I was. <laughs> and he wouldn't just do that. He'd mumble stuff back there. And I'd had enough of it, so I had just enough of my old human nature, which is bad. So I was sitting back there mumbling to so I looked back at our sound guy, and I went. Sound, I mean, it, it was loud. But we're not going to a funeral home, folks. I don't know what you expect. I mean, it is quite the funeral home because there's dead stuff. This is not dead stuff. It's supposed to be alive around here, and there's a psychological deal about it. And if you don't think the church ought to be noisy, ooh, ooh, let me help you. You want me to help you? How did the elder brother even know what was going on down at his daddy's house when the prodigal come home? The Bible says he's all the way out in the field and coming from his dad's house. He heard music and dancing. That tells me that the whole neighborhood ought to be able to hear when there's reconciliation in the house. There ought to be the sound of a party going on. It ought not sound like a funeral home. That's where dead stuff's being taken care of. We're talking about life. Hey, my son, which is dead, is alive again. I say, let the sounds of praise fill this congregation here today. I am through. I got stopped. Anyway, he kept doing And I had just enough in my old nasty human nature. So the sound guy turned it up. I said, sound guy, he's like, see, he turned it up. I said, Some of you are too young to remember this, but years ago there used to be a poster. There's a poster of pioneer speakers. There's these pioneer speakers here, and this guy sitting in a chair, 
and his hair's blowing back and his clothes. That's about how that church service started looking. I am through. Say, so come out of that church. What you trying to do, man? You trying to bust my eardrums? Hey, I ain't no problem with that. You got enough cotton balls stuck in there. You can't even get to your eardrums. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, the problem's not the sound. The problem's not the level of noise. The problem is your own nature. Ooh. Well, I just don't like what we're doing right here. You know, I don't know anything about this church, so, you know, I, and you may not have any problems here. I'm, I'm just, but I, being around church enough, you know, you start, you told me on the way over here, we're going to build. This church has been here for years. I don't know why we're going to tear this building down, build something. I mean, after all, you know, it's a nice building, and, and it's been here a long time, and I bought one of those padded seats. Again, I don't know anything going on. I don't want to know. It's just old human nature. And the more flesh that starts taking the church over, the more we have to come up with something to entertain and programs and stuff. And I'm not just, but let the Holy Ghost, when he start talking about prayer and early prayer in this church praying, the Holy Ghost said, this is what I want. This is what I want. And if this church will enter into those territories of prayer, not just praying words, but praying in the Spirit. Because what happens? Can I fit? I don't know. I should stop. I stop. I should stop right here. Um, let's, let's, we're going to stop with a little illustration on worship. Can we do that? Can I pick on you now? All right. Come on, stand up here. You're going to be Jesus. <laughs> Come up here and stand up here. <laughs> now, I'm glad I finally met you. You're a little different than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> now, you got ten lepers. Come here. Ten lepers. They come to Jesus. They come to Jesus. And Jesus says, go show thyself to the priest. Thou art cleansed. Right? I am through with this illustration. And they all take off. Because the law said before they could go home, they had to go get a sacrifice, take it to the high priest. He had to offer the sacrifice, and he had basic to inspect them, make sure the leprosy was gone. And so Jesus said, go on, it's gone. So they all took, but the Bible says that one returned and fell at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him. And Jesus said to him, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Now, hang on, listen to me, listen, 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 listen. Now, he only told the other nine, go show thyself to the priest that are cleansed. Watch me now. Leprosy consumes the flesh. So those guys are going to the priest. They, someone's got fingers missing. Someone's got a ear, nose, jaw, whatever, missing. Now, they don't have leprosy anymore, but they're still missing something. But this one who comes back 
in the presence of Jesus with worship. Worship. And that act of worship was Jesus called faith. So how can you worship something you don't believe in? He says, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. Which means to the one who didn't just come to the altar and get the Holy Ghost and say, I've been cleansed from my sin. But the one who kept coming back, worshiping. Jesus said, now here's where the process happens. I'm going to make you whole. Now, can you do me a favor? Act like you got all appendages there. Okay, hold that up. You, you, you got some fingers missing because sin took that from you. Sin took things from you. Now you're cleansed, but when he's in the presence of Jesus and he's looking at Jesus in worship, he sees that Jesus has got five fingers on his hand. And Paul says that I'm to be transformed to look like this. Now, how's that going to happen if I'm just over here shouting because I'm clean? But the fact is, is because he come back with worship and he's willing to come into the presence of God and see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he sees how Jesus was and all that stuff. He says, I, I, I got to become like that. And he says, the only way you become like that is to see me as I really am, which is in the mirror, and for you to worship and believe and to pray in the Spirit, and I'll make you whole. Now, if you get the Holy Ghost, just come back to church and never worship, you'll never be made whole. But you show me a worshiper. Thank you. I'll show you people who can be made whole. Show me somebody what everybody else is just watching everybody else do. They're magnifying God and talking to God and glorifying God. And when the singers are singing, the praise team's worshiping. They're not too interested in what all. They're just worshiping and magnifying God. And the Spirit of Christ has said, I'm going to make you whole. I'm fixing to put back into your life some things that sin took from you. I'm telling somebody here today, your miracle is now in your worship. Anybody need a miracle from God today? Okay. Let's just do it old-fashioned. Sit down. If you need the Holy Ghost, I do not have the Holy Ghost here today, and I want it. I want you to stand right now. I do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I want the Holy Ghost. I want you to stand right now. I do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I want the Holy Ghost. Don't keep standing. You told me you was going to get it today, didn't you? Okay. Anybody else? I do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So this is where I got to start. Now, ain't backsliders here. Preacher, I've had the Holy Ghost, but I'm a long ways from where I should be with God, and I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want you to stand right now. Well, we've got a couple honest ones here. I can come get you if you want me to. Anybody else? I need the Holy Ghost. I need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Because you... You know what? You're not going to get the Holy Ghost until you just open up and worship. Hmm? You believe that? Okay, get ready. Trust me, get ready. Anybody else? Anybody else? Those keep standing. If you're standing, keep standing. Preacher, I need a miracle. I desperately need a miracle today. There's no option. I need a miracle. I want you to stand right now. I don't care what it is. I need a miracle. I'm fighting something. I need deliverance. I need deliverance. I'm in a battle. I need help. I want you to stand. When everybody else has got the victory. 
going to be real easy. We're just going to start worshiping. And you know what's amazing about this? The Holy Ghost can fill somebody over here. It can heal somebody over here. It can deliver somebody over here. All in one praise and worship session. Now, tomorrow night I'm going to talk to you about sonship, if the Lord permits, about what is our biblical rights as sons. Authority and dominion of sonship. You still going to get the Holy Ghost today? All right. You ready? Because in a little bit I want you to start worshiping and magnifying God. I trust you've already repented and all that stuff been coming. And just start worshiping and magnifying God. Just open up and he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Right? Just start asking him for it and he'll give it to you. Okay? That's how this book says. That's how easy it is. You ready for a renewing? You need a renewing. All right. It's going to happen. I mean, it's on you right now. That's how come you're trying to tear up right now. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. You're in the presence of Jesus Christ. He'd weep over a whole city. Ain't nothing wrong with you weeping. It's not a sign of not being masculine or strong. Y'all ready to worship? I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is getting ready to do something in this building. Somebody's about to walk right into the presence of Jesus. And the Holy Ghost is going to help you with an infirmity or a struggle. Does anybody need that right now? I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to lift your hands and just start worshiping him, not, not just praising. I want you to start worshiping him right now in the name of Jesus. That's it. Receive the Holy Ghost. There it is. There goes your tongue right there. There you go. There you go. That's it. There it is. Yeah, there's tongues. There's the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's the sign of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Just let it flow. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, it's between you and God now. For likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Just keep worshiping. Something's going to open up here in the Holy Ghost. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Let there be a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I want you to worship. I know there's no music right now, but I want you to worship. Come on, that's it. Keep worshiping. The Spirit's fixing to move on some of you to help you with your infirmities. Somebody's fixing to start praying in the Holy Ghost right now.
Come on, some of you had a little hard time breaking through. Press on past that old fleshly nature. That's it. Press on, press on, press on. The Spirit's here today to help you right now. I need the help of the Holy Ghost today. I need the help of the Holy Ghost today. Mm, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, somebody's about to break through right here. Somebody's about to break through. Go on, let the Holy Ghost help you now. Go on, let the Spirit help you right now. Now pray for the person next to you. Just put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them right now. Pray that the Holy Ghost is going to help them. If somebody here will just press just a little further, there's a miracle waiting for you in this service right now. I'm telling somebody the Holy Ghost wants to help you today if you'll reach for it. You don't have to fight it by your own self. The Spirit is going to help you. Come on, somebody's starting to get a little help now. For likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Woo, let Him help you with the battle. Somebody's helps here right now. Somebody's helps in the building right now. Somebody's help is ministering for them right now. Come on, somebody, you cannot survive without the help of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> 